<clears throat> so the first three chapters was establishing us in Christ. We are sealed by the Holy Spirit. And we are saved not of ourselves. It's not because we've been good. It's not because we are good. It's not because we will be good. It's not because we in the past have been worthy or in the present we're worthy or in the future we'll be worthy. It's simply a gift of God with no fine print, with no strings attached. We will all go to heaven and have the same testimony. I am not worthy. I have not earned this. But yet by your grace, God, you have made me righteous as you are righteous. We must be perfect as our heavenly father is perfect to share his heaven. We can never attain to that, no matter how many good works in this world we can attain to. It is a gift of God. Everybody will be in heaven and we will for all of eternity uh, praise his name. And it's again, not just that we're making it to heaven, but that we are equal in righteousness. He's in it's a brand new body and we will live holy as God is holy. He is seating us on the throne with next to Jesus. We are seated next to Jesus on the throne. We are called sons of God like Jesus is the son of God. And we, for all of eternity, will be there royally in heaven. Not just, you know, street people sleeping in a gutter or, you know, barely making it through. And, you know, I'm the guy in heaven because my backside still burned, you know. No, we're all going to be in royalty as king's kids forever and ever. He doesn't just save us. He lifts us up to be perfect in righteousness, holiness, and as his child. And we are the bride of Christ collectively as children, the bride of Christ. So this is so important that we are established in that grace. Because now as we get to chapter 4, he's saying, so here now, walk in it. One day it's going to be a fact you're going to live in it in heaven. But now while you're on earth, even though everything's going against you, your body's going against you, the spirit of this age is going against you, Satan and all the demons are going against you, you can still walk as Jesus walked, even though it's a difficult thing. But understand that it doesn't add to our salvation it doesn't prove that we're saved. All it does is give us freedom and joy in the Holy Spirit. And we will learn it does give us rewards in heaven. There's a, very, there's a number of crowns we receive for fighting sin and, and, walk, and walking past that sin and walking as the Lord would have us to walk in purity and holiness. But nobody... Nobody should read this and say, oh, that's me. Oh, I'm a sinner. That's me. I feel condemned now, and I'm so unworthy. You've always been unworthy. <laughs> you always will be unworthy. Nobody's going to go to heaven and say, yes, I've earned it. It was hard, but, man, I dug deep, and I got obedient, and I lived this perfect life, and God owes me heaven. 
Never going to happen. And God is not saying walk in him now so you can become worthy or feel worthy that he's giving you eternal life in heaven. It's simply because you love him. He loved us so much and he's blessed us so much. How can I love you, God? How can I glorify you? That's the purest motive. I just want to glorify him. I want men to see Jesus as they look at my good works and glorify my father in heaven. It's just a relationship out of love. And if we win over sin one time, we're not going to be patting ourselves on the back. We're going to know it is by the power of the Spirit and God's grace. Right? Lord, I, I could not have walked through that temptation and been successful, not given into it, except by your grace. And so we looked last week, and I want to re-go over this, and this is going to be a big part of the message today. But um, last week, we looked at three things, some of them just a little bit. But the three things that we'll discover in verses 20, 22 to 24 is take off, put off the old man, be renewed in the mind, and put on the new man. So you remember in verse 22 that you put off concerning your former, God, your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to deceitful lust. We talked about this where you have an old pair of running shoes and you, you know, you, they look fine on the outside so you keep trying to make them work. And then finally, you know, the rubber comes off or you get a hole and you go, okay, I got to go buy a new pair of shoes. And you got to fork out a hundred bucks or whatever it is. You're like, oh, this is so painful. But then you put those shoes on and then you're walking the next day and you're just like, why didn't I do this sooner? My feet have been killing me and I've gotten blisters. And I, man, I, I should have put on the new pair of shoes sooner, right? This is it. When we take off that old and we put on the new wow, this is who I really am. If I could rip open my flesh right now and you could see my spirit, you know what you'd see? Positionally, perfect holiness, perfect righteousness. The Holy Spirit living in me and, and you couldn't see really different than the Holy Spirit and me in the Spirit. You'd see one isn't the same. You're like, well, I only see one Spirit. Oh, God's Spirit's there. Well, I, which one am I seeing? Both. He is in us and we are in Him in a perfect unity. Now, had I opened my flesh as a non-believer before I was born again, you would have saw my spirit and you're like, oh, uh, uh, it looks dead. It looks like a dead, stinky carcass that's been buried for three months and it stinks and it's all shriveled up and looks like ugh, looks like a cancer you need to cut out of there that old spirit could not produce any life any righteousness but when we said lord be born again our spirit came alive and it's beautiful it's glorious and that spirit is who we really are. This old flesh one day is going to peel off and we're going to be in our new body with the Lord and our new spirit now. So Paul said, there's no good thing in me. Hold it, stop, untrue. No good thing that is my flesh. But in me is the spirit of God and my spirit who's been born again. And, and 
It's perfect. There's a perfect willingness. There's a perfect desire to obey. There's a a perfect sense of holiness and righteousness that I want to live through and live with and just fellowship with God and live for God and live a life in the Spirit. So it's true. We just need now to declare it true. We looked at a larger portion of Romans 6 last week, but I want to look at a rather large portion again in Romans 6, verse 5 through 11. For we have been unified together in the likeness of his death. Certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. That's a fact. Remember we looked in Colossians 2, the handwriting of requirements that was against us has been nailed to the cross. When we as believers sin now, there's nowhere to write it. There used to be a big giant whiteboard, so to speak, and all our sins were written on it. And when Christ took our sins and died on the cross, he didn't just erase that whiteboard. He erased it, and then he took that whiteboard and grounded it to powder and spread it. So now when we sin, there's nothing against us. There's no no place to write it. We sin, and the Holy Spirit convicts us. We repent, and we move on. And, And as God's Holy Spirit convicts us of that sin, not condemns us, not makes us feel bad, doesn't depress us, doesn't grind our nose in it. He just simply, we agree with him. He, 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 there's no big repentance. Well, I don't feel as bad about it, so is it really repentance? No, it just says confess your sin. You know that word confess? It just means agree with. God's Holy Spirit says, hey, that's not the way your spirit speaks. And I immediately, you're right, Lord, I know that. I can sense it. My spirit, when it speaks, it edifies. When my spirit speaks, it's purity. When my spirit speaks, it's truth. Yes, Lord. And then he washes that sin away and he cleanses us from all unrighteousness. As we walk in the light, as he is in the light, what happens? The blood of Christ continually washes away all our sins. So walking in the light doesn't mean perfect doesn't mean that we're walking without sin. As we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we still are sinning. We still need the blood of Christ to keep cleansing us from all sin. And it does. And so going on there in verse 7, and once again it says in Romans 6 verse 7, For he who has died has been freed from sin. This is what I'm talking about. I just explained that. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died once. He died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourself to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Everything that happened to Christ happened to us. When Christ died, we died with him. When Christ rose again, we rose again with him. Christ will die and die no more. Christ, having left this human body, can no longer 
sin, not that he ever did, he never did sin, but we now in our spirit living in us, when we sin, God does not calculate it as sin. Not in the same sense that it condemned us before. It's simply now we are going to sense that that's not me. That's not who I'm supposed to be. That's not what God caused me to be born again, to walk in. And we constantly are auto-correcting to, to walk in the Spirit and walk in a way that pleases Him. And again, I just have to stop and let you know again, the key to all of this is grace. In Titus 2, verse 11 and 12, boy, know these verses well. Here's a couple of memory verses for you this week. For the grace of God that brings salvation, we know about that grace, right? has appeared to all men. That same grace of God that brings salvation, that same grace teaches us, verse 12, that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly righteous and godly in this present age. God's grace, not God's stick, not God's judge hammer. God's not taking you like you do a puppy and and put its nose in its poop so it doesn't poop on the carpet anymore. God's not humiliating you. God's not disappointed in you. God's not mad at you. He sympathizes with you. He also is a human flesh. He knows what it's like to live in this stinking, difficult, sinful flesh. He knows what it is like. And so he's there to comfort us. And so we should feel emboldened to come boldly to that throne of grace. I know you know. I know you understand. I know you get it. Things I don't want to do, I do. Things I do want to do, I don't do. I, I, understand. I know you get it. So Lord, please give me more grace, more mercy to help me in this time of need. So put off. Secondly, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Guys, We need to believe the truth of what God says about us. We need to see ourselves through the eyes of God. And what does he tell us? That we're spiritual beings. And that we walk as king's kids. That we are priests and kings. In 1 Peter 2.9, here's the truth about us. You are a chosen generation. Like Israel was the elect of God. That word chosen is elect. Like the nation of Israel was the elect of God. So the bride of Christ. I don't know, all of us individually in a sense, but all of us collectively as the bride of Christ are the elect. We've all been chosen to be in Christ. We are a royal priesthood. We are a holy people. A holy nation, which is a people's group. We are his own special people. I like the old King James, peculiar people. We're all peculiar, aren't we? But nevertheless, don't say anything about God's bride that he's getting ready to marry. Would not be a nice thing. That you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Why has he made us this holy nation? Why has he made us this royal priesthood? Why has he lifted us up to these special people? So we will praise and worship, and be thankful to him, respond to his love, walk in his love, and out of that spirit of love, to want to walk as he walks. Revelation 1.6, he has made us. We don't deserve it. We're not worthy. It's not because we attain to some unique holiness. No, he just 
by his own sovereign doing, has made us kings and made us priests to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen? Amen. Ephesians, 4, Ephesians 5, 8 is going to tell us here in a, in a few chapters, and you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord, so walk as children of light. What's our motivation? We, we don't want to live in darkness anymore. We don't want to live in that old stinking flesh. We looked at last week, not just the new running shoes, but we looked at the old leprosy garments. The guy, his garments smell like leprosy, are gooey and drenched and the old pus and, and the old dead skin. And, and he's been cured of leprosy and, and you offer some new clothes, but he's like, man, I've been living in these clothes for so many years, I just wouldn't feel comfortable or anything but but you're going to leave the island of the leprosy island and, and go out into the world in those old leprosy clothes? Yes, that's what I'm comfortable with. I, I think you would do everything you could to, to let him know how unpresentable that would be, that there's a smell that he can't smell. There's an ugliness to it that he can't get because he's lived that way for so many years. It's like, it's just not acceptable. You need to change your garment in the same way we now need to no longer walk in darkness, that old stinking leprosy way. We need to walk now as children of light. And then in verse 24, now put on, that you put on the new man, which you created in, according to God in true righteousness and holiness. The new man has a new garment, so to speak, and, and it's created to the glory of God. And, and now as we can walk, it's possible now. It never was possible before our, when our spirit was dead. But now that our spirit's alive and God's spirit lives with us, all things are possible. So now we can walk in this. Things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. I love David Guzik's quote on this. It rebels against God. We instinctively humble ourselves before the Lord. Do you guys know what a miracle that is? We instinctively submit and say, God, I want your will perfectly. I don't, want, I don't say, well, God, I know you want me to live holy, but man, I really just, it just grosses me out to live holy. I know you want me to speak in a way that edifies everybody, but I really like cursing. You know, I'll be a Christian, but you just got to accept me as who I am. It's not that way. When God's spirit lives in us, we want to walk as Jesus walked. We want to speak as Jesus speaks. We want to walk as the Lord would have us to walk in true holiness and righteousness. You, 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 let me explain to you what a miracle that is. We are so self-willed. We are so dead in our sin. And the fact that you could hear the gospel and repent of your sins and say, Jesus, you be the king, the Lord, the master, my God, my savior. I'm going to give you an example so you guys understand how powerful this is. We are right now nearing the rapture of the church. All of us are getting ready to be taken. So the more of you that drive Teslas, the better. Because uh, once you're behind the wheel of that car and disappear, they're going to need automatic pilot. But then there's going to be a seven-year tribulation upon this earth while we are in heaven having the marriage supper of the Lamb. We're at the wedding feast. 
at the end of that tribulation period, we all come with Jesus, riding on horses, by the way, pretty cool, through the skies, flying by Jupiter, touch it, man, woohoo, go through the outer rings of Saturn, just cruise on down here, we all land on the Mount of Olives. And then we live here for a thousand years as kings, as priests, as the earth begins to repopulate from those who didn't take the mark of the beast and believed in the Lord. And for a thousand years, people are healed and they can live to be a thousand years old. So the population of the earth is going to grow very quickly. But for a thousand years, Jesus is ruling as a glorious king, more glorious than David but upon the throne of David. From that throne, the waters come and fill a new river that goes from the Dead Sea to the Mediterranean Sea. And people can come and the trees that grow along that river, the very leaves of it are for the healings of the nations. There's highways constructed, I have no idea how, but anybody who wants can go to Jerusalem whenever they want and be taught by Jesus himself. So, all the politicians, us, will be holy and righteous in our new body. All the kings and priests will be us, righteous in our new bodies. But at the end of that thousand years, Satan is released from the pit. He can come to all those people on earth who have lived in an earth that's perfect in righteousness, been taught by Jesus, and the Bible tells us that a multitudes of multitudes will side with Satan. And then there will be a war against all those people and Satan against all of the righteous. A thousand years sitting at the feet of Jesus, not three years like the apostles. But the whole time they're feeling like, I hate this righteous earth. I hate being forced to live in a righteous, holy way. You can't live any, any way but a holy way or God's rod of iron will crush you like a clay pot. And when man has an option, he'll choose Satan. That's how dark man is. That's how self-willed our human nature is. We have not been taught a thousand years by Jesus himself. Matter of fact, we heard the message through a very imperfect vessel, didn't we? But yet we submitted to God. Do you realize that is the miracle of miracles, of miracles, of miracles. What is the greatest miracle? You, your rebellious, sinful, self-stubborn, self-willed self is saying, not my will, but thy will be done. You guys are a miracle. But when we did that, God's spirit entered our spirit, sealed us, the stamp of guarantee that we are going to be with him forever. And so now we have the ability. It's not a small thing that happened to us. You being born again is not this tiny little fragile thing in there. You being born again, stamped with the Holy Spirit living in you. We are more than conquerors because of his love. He'll never let us go. We're in his hand. He'll, we'll never perish. We will have eternal life. 
But now something even more powerful has happened. We can win over sin. I know it seems impossible at times, doesn't it? The times are just like I give up. Don't. We can now put on the Lord Jesus Christ and walk with him. Practically, the Bible tells us some really important things. How do we put on the Lord Jesus Christ? Very practically. One, I'm sorry, my throat is is messing up today. It's very dry. I've been a very long week. But practically, number one, put on the word of God daily and then continue to meditate on it and chew on it 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You guys know Psalm 1 probably as well as I do. In verse 2 and 3, it says, Delight yourself in the law of the Lord or in the word of God. That's the way they only had the first five books of the Bible at that time, the Torah, the law. And in his law, in his word, meditate day and night. What happens if you do that? He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither. And listen to this, the grand poobah of all promises, whatever he does shall prosper. I mean, he's putting the greatest blessing one can give. Try to think of a greater blessing than that. You'll prosper in all you do. It can't be invented. It just can't be invented. There is no greater way to bless somebody than you'll prosper in all that you do. But he doesn't tie that to prayer, which I would have thought he would have. He doesn't tie that to many other things he could have tied that to, the spiritual duty, sharing the Lord or witnessing or... But he ties it to meditating in the word. And notice the word meditate. It's not read. Do you know the Bible never says read the Bible? Because they would have to go to the synagogue and pull out the scrolls. Nobody could take the Bible home until after the Wittenberg press was invented in the 1400s. So much is given, much is required. We have the printed Bible. We don't have to go to the synagogue or church and ask somebody to pull it out of the cupboard and read it on some big giant scroll. So don't, don't think reading the Bible replaces meditating on the Bible. One verse that goes into your heart and then it keeps coming up into your mouth and you re-chew on it like the cow chews its cud. That, that doesn't replace. Remember the Pharisees, they studied and studied and studied the Bible. And Jesus says, you study the scriptures because you think in them is life, but these are the very scriptures that speak of me and you hate me. They read it and memorized it and it wasn't in their heart. You'd be better off knowing one verse in your heart than to know all the scriptures of the Bible in your head only. We want to say, "Mm." you know, the word meditate, it's also like the word purr, like a cat purrs, or like a lion, "Mm," you know, purrs. It's that concept. We're meditating. "Mm, mm." You ever done that? God speaks to you and you're like, "Mm, mm." what's wrong with you? Are you okay? Oh, it's just going deeper into my spirit. It's going, "Mm," it's going deeper into my soul. I know when I pray, I do that. How do you walk practically the word of God deep into your soul? David says that in Psalms 119, a young man who struggled with sin like we all do. How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. Psalms 119, 11, your word is hidden in my heart. There it is. 
Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. First John 2.14, I have written to you young men because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the wicked one. How do you overcome the sins of your youth? By having more of the word of God than the world in your heart. Secondly, seeking God. You know, I, I almost would like to just take out the word prayer out of the Bible. Because it can be something we do, but in a dead way. We got a prayer meeting. Oh, that sounds dead. That sounds boring. That's why I quit saying on Wednesday nights, we're going to spend time in the word and then have a prayer time. I I don't do that. If you'll hear me, I say, and then we're going to seek the Lord in prayer and in worship. Just let's take out the prayer word. It's, it's, It's devolved to mean something religious and dead and without life. And really, when you study on prayer, it's really not about saying some words. Matter of fact, the Lord said people can say words and God doesn't hear it if it's in in a vain repetition. But we want to seek the Lord, seek him. First thing in the morning, roll out of bed on your knees and just seek him. God, this is the day you made. I want to rejoice and be glad in it. And Lord, I know you've predestined before me good works I should walk in. Lord, give me grace that I don't miss out on one of those divine appointments today. Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all things shall be added to you. Wow. Anybody want all things to be added to you by God? Just seek him and his kingdom and his right way of doing things. 1 Thessalonians 5, 17 says it all. Here's your memory verse for the week. Pray without ceasing. Not quite as short as Jesus wept, but it's close. In other words, Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 14 where I pray with my mind and I pray with my spirit. I, I pray where my mind's unfruitful. I'm just, I'm just seeking God in my spirit. And I'm not even aware of it. And then I get conscious. Whoa, I'm just seeking the Lord. 1 Chronicles 6.11, seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face evermore. I love that. John 4.8, draw near to God and What? He'll draw near to you. We want God near us. Isaiah 40, verse 29 to 31, you know this well. He gives power to the weak. You feel him weak? He, to those who have no might, boy, I've been there. He increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary and the young men shall utterly fall. Here's the answer. If any of those things apply to you, young or old, but those who wait on the Lord, another way of saying seek the Lord, shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Thirdly, to walk in the Spirit. I say walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. We're going to get there in Ephesians 5 where it says be filled, keep being filled with the Spirit. We're going to be talking about that. Galatians 5.25, Galatians 5.25, if we live in the Spirit, let us walk in the Spirit. Romans 8, 11, but if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also, what? Give life to your mortal bodies through the spirit who dwells in you. Romans 8, 14, as many as are led by the spirit of God, 
These are the sons of God. So meditating in the word, praying, seeking God without ceasing, walking in the spirit, being conscious. Lord, I want your power. Lord, I want your presence. Lord, I want your purity. Lord, I want your holiness. I want to be walking in a way that, that is in the spirit, not in the flesh. Walk with Jesus. Here it is, the last thing forth. Just simply walk with Jesus. He says in 2 Corinthians eleven three, but I fear lest somehow the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from what? The simplicity that's in Christ. Just walk with Jesus. John 10, 27 and 28, my sheep hear my voice and I know them, and they what? Follow me. And I give them eternal life. They shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. John 15, verse 3 through 5. You are already clean because of the word which I've spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. There it is. Walk with Jesus. Abide in Jesus and he in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. One more on this, Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 to 30. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Listen to what happens when we just simply walk with Jesus. I am gentle, a lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy, and my burden is light. It's just simple. It lightens the load. We're walking, meditating the word, praying without ceasing, conscious to walk a life in the spirit, not a life in the flesh, and then ever just following Jesus, abiding in him, and walking with him. Now today in verse 25, the introduction's over. (laughs) We're going to actually find through verse 25 to 32 several areas and attitudes, specific items but also specific attitudes. And we're going to see there's four different ones, honesty, anger, stilling, and the tongue. We're going to notice in each one of these areas, God's going to give a negative. He's then going to give us the positive, And then he's going to give us the reason why. So we're going to discover the answer is overcoming all these obstacles, winning over sin, is the work of the Holy Spirit. And don't forget, God never gives us a command that he's not already made a way for us to carry it out by the Holy Spirit. How do we win over sin? By walking and trusting God's Spirit who lives in us to do the work to conquer the sin. Here's a great quote. God's commandments are also his enablements. Isn't that great? He'll never command it unless he also makes a way. Go forward and cross the Red Sea. What do we do here? Just start walking. And God will make the impossible possible, right? Peter, get out of the boat. (laughs) He can walk on the water if he keeps his eyes on Jesus. God's commandments are also God's enablements. In your flesh, these cannot be done. But by the power of the Holy Spirit, all things are possible. So when you're struggling with sin, it isn't, Brian, stop doing it, you idiot. You're so sinful. You need to try harder. 
You need to, you need to pray until blood start coming out your pores. You need, you need to not just metaphorically beat your body. You need to get a whip and start beating your body. I'm going to get this flesh in shape. It's not going to happen, is it? I, I need to come and, and be filled and keep being filled with the Spirit and say, Lord, if anything good comes through me, if I win over sin, it's by the power of your Spirit, not the power of my flesh. So we're going to see the first area we need to put off here in verse 25, which is lying or falsehood. Therefore, put in a way lying or falsehood. Let each one of you speak with truth with his neighbor, that we are members of one another. So put off, be renewed in the mind, put on the new man. So what are we taking off or putting away? Don't lie to each other. If you are a person that can't be truthful with one another, you won't have a trusting element in order to have a relationship. You can't have a relationship if you think somebody lies, right? You can't trust what they say. Why would we lie? Because I'm afraid to tell you who I really am. I'm really afraid that if you know how weak and sinful I struggle, you won't want anything to do with me anymore. It'll put a tension in our relationship. Is that the truth? Have you ever shared with somebody an area of struggle in the body of Christ? What's the first thing you hear? Me too. I've struggled with that or I am struggling with that as well. And boy, it frees me up that you said that. I didn't have that courage. But man, let's pray for each other. Or to say, yeah, that, that can happen. And, and let, let me start praying for you in that area of your life. And, and, you know, let's go back and look at Brian's study on winning over sin and, and that particular area. And let, let's, let's, let me share some scriptures. Let's disciple each other as we study the scriptures on this area. Right? You, you, I, I don't think you're going to find going, you what? Well, I don't think you're saved. And I don't want to be around people like you. I'm going to go tell Brian and he's going to kick you out of here. I think we, we get weird things in our head and the devil loves us to have secret sin, right? As long as it's secret, he's got power. But when we bring it into the light, all the fungus gets killed. All of Satan's weird little vines that are wrapped around you die in the sunlight. We got to remember when we lie, it's the devil who is the liar. In John 8, 44, it tells us that the devil cannot stand in the truth. There's no truth in him. He can only speak lies because it's from his own resources. He is a liar and the father of lies. In 2 Thessalonians 2.9, it says the coming one, referring to the Antichrist, whom the Satan uh, possesses a man who becomes the demonic ruler on the earth. He's going to come and speak from his own resources of Satan. And notice the signs and wonders. They're going to be lying signs and wonders with unrighteous deception. That those people should believe the lie. And then they're all going to be condemned because they did not believe the love of the truth that they might be saved. In contrast to that, God can never lie. God only can speak the truth. 
In Numbers 23 and 19, God is not a man that he should lie. Titus 1, 2, he's given us the hope of eternal life, which God who cannot lie promised before time began. In Hebrews 6, 18, that there are two immutable things in which it's impossible for God to lie. So let us now speak true. So here's the positive. The negative is don't lie. Don't have falsehoods. And half lies, white lies, small lies are all lies, right? We want to be truthful. In truth, there's no percentage of lie in it, right? So let each one of you speak truth. In John 8, 32, and you shall know the truth and the truth will make you free. Speaking the truth frees you. Hearing the truth frees you. Being a person of truth liberates you. The Holy Spirit who lives in you is only of truth. In John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way and the what? The truth and the life. Interesting, those three things he picked out. In John 14, 17, the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. He, what, dwells in you and will be with you. The spirit of who? The spirit of truth. He's the Holy Spirit. But if we wanted to give the Holy Spirit another title, we can say the whole, the spirit of truth lives in me. The spirit of lie, those who are living by the flesh and not living in obedience to Christ, they are being filled with the spirit of lying, of falsehood, of untruth. In John 17, 17, he says, sink them by your truth. Your word is truth. In 1 John 2, 21, he says, now it's written you because you... I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and that no lie is of the truth. In 1 John 2, 27, but the anointing which you have received from him abides in you. You have no need that anyone teach you, but the same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true and is not a lie. Just as it has been taught to you, you abide in him. So since God's spirit lives in you, you should be of the truth and speak the truth like the Holy Spirit. We do not have the spirit of this world, 1 Corinthians 2.12 tells us, but we have the spirit who is from God, that spirit of truth. Paul said earlier in chapter 4, do you guys remember this in verse 15? Speaking what? The truth in love. May grow up into all things to him who's the head to Christ. Speaking truth is essential. The negative is don't lie. The positive, speak the truth. The reason why is because we're members of one another. Oh, I didn't expect that to be the reason why. Why? Because we're one body. I'm the hand, you're the foot, you're the ear. We're one body. You know what happens when a person lives in deception, deceiving himself, believing his own press? A person believes his own lies? You know what happens to that person, right? They, they become a politician. No. Um, <laughs> you know what happens to that person? They go insane. They literally start going insane. They literally don't know the truth anymore. They so twist their brain, they literally can't tell when they're telling a lie 
And when they're telling the truth, they both sound identical to them. So we're one body. We have no need to lie to each other. I love you. And I know you love me. And I know we don't know each other real well, but I know we love one another. We don't, we don't have to lie. We should not be afraid to tell each other who we really are. We're one body. We're not separate people. We're one and the same person. You guys remember this in 1 Corinthians 12, right? It says in verse 12, for as one, as the one, as the body is one, has many members, but all the members of the one body, being many, are one body. Do you hear that? Three times. So also is Christ. In 1 Corinthians 12, 18, now God has set the members, each one in the body, just as he pleased. So not only are we one body, but God's placed us next to each other as he desires. 1 Corinthians 12, 20, so now indeed there are many members, yet what? One body. So why lie to ourselves? Why act like we have a temporary relationship with each other when we have an eternal relationship with each other? We are this, we're all in the same boat. Let's row together. We have sinful flesh, don't we? There's no sin that's not common to all men. You don't have to lie anymore. We can just love one another no matter what. I'm not going to be afraid to be rejected. I, I'm going to trust that I will be accepted. Well, Lord, we thank you for your word today. And we thank you, God, that there is this ability by the power of your spirit through grace, not condemnation, but just a beautiful bring it to you, Lord. You cleanse us, you wash us. And then as we walk with you, abide in you, you give us the power through your spirit to overcome many of the sins. We know we're going to continue to stumble badly till the day we're with you in heaven. Probably the day of the rapture, we'll all have things that we've said and done that are falling short of the glory of God. But Lord, we come and thank you for that grace. We thank you for your love and acceptance. And so now, Lord, just give us the ability to overcome this sin of lying to one another. Give us the ability to speak truth to one another. No more, just like you, there's no shadow of turning in you. There'd be no shadow of turning in us. And Lord, let us speak the truth to one another, but also to the world that you love them and you have eternal life for them. If they come to you and receive the work of the cross, they can have eternal life. If there's anybody hearing this message today right now, And you don't know the Lord right now. All you have to do is believe on him. Jesus, I believe that you died and rose again, taking my sins and paying the penalty of my sin, that as a gift by believing in you and only believing in you, I can have eternal life. I believe you are the way, the truth, and the life. I, I give my life to you. And right now, God has cleansed you. He's washed you as white as snow. His spirit is coming to live in your spirit, giving you eternal life, selling you for the day of redemption. Your name is written in the book of life. All of heaven's rejoicing. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' precious name. Amen.